in a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes can cost far more than dollars. One oil and gas sales expert, one HSE professional, and the greatest PPE provider on the planet must come together. Two men, one brand, one mission. Red Wings Oil and Gas HSE podcast with Mark LaCour and Patrick Pister starts now. Hey, it's Mark LaCour, and this show is for everybody who has an interest in HSE in the oil and gas industry. Brought to you by Red Wing, the leaders in PPE, ensuring your people go home safe every day. Joining me is my new co-host, Sarah. How you doing, Sarah? I'm good. How are you, Mark? Very good. And if you listen to the show for the length of time, we had Sarah on a while back as a guest. And Sarah, you have your own show coming out, don't you? I do. We're going to be talking about legal and risk management issues. Yeah, and we're hoping to hit the streets with that in October-ish, aren't we? That's the goal. Yeah, and uh, Patrick uh, couldn't join us today, so Sarah was nice enough to step in for his place. If you hear the noise in the background, it's not us being unruly. We're actually in Midland, Texas, and we're at the Courtyard by Marriott Hotel, and they were nice enough to let us record from the lobby. So before we get into our guest, if you listen to the show, can you do me a favor, please? Can you just leave a review? This is the only show that suffers reviews. Take two minutes, three minutes, leave us a review. It's the number one way to help support the show, and I will thank you on the air if you do it. Sarah, we have guests today, don't we? We do. We have uh, Mark Lancaster and Mike McMone. McMahon. McMahon, yeah. How y'all doing today? Doing good. Doing great. Good to be here. Yeah. And so y'all work for a little company called Echo Vapor. Yes, sir. Uh, this uh, company was formed back in 2010, and our main goal is to uh, convert oxygen into a form that we can actually put in a pipeline. So before we get too far down there, because this is fascinating technology, and it hits safety right square in the, between the eyes, I want a little bit of your background. Mark, how did you get in this crazy industry? My degree is in hotel and restaurant management. And I, it, I got your beat. Mine's in wildlife management. We end up here. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm eminently qualified to be in oil and gas. Uh, <laughs> I, I came out here running restaurants and then got into uh, oil and gas with a couple of different ways and wound up working with this company simply because I think it's the future that people really need to be able to figure out what they're going to do. Yeah. And Mike, how did you end up in this industry? That's a great question. I have a chemical engineering background, uh, spent the first few years of my career in the paper industry, and then went to, you know, and that industry was was pretty unstable and a lot of challenges, so I went to something really stable <laughs> like oil and gas, so uh, it's good good to be in this industry. You know, what? Uh, my, my background is primarily on the vendor side of the, of the oil and gas business with a custom uh, engineer filtrations uh, company and, and uh, previously with a uh, production equipment and service company. I've joined EcoVapors just recently, but uh, the, what I really liked about the company, what really compelled me to join EcoVapors is that uh, it, it provides a service that is, is, uh, it helps the well pads be safer. It helps from an environmental compliance standpoint. And it, uh, and oh, by the way, it generates revenue and makes money. So it's just a very compelling, uh, product. And it, it's one, you know, when you can, uh, uh, help, help companies put money on their bottom line, help safety and, and help the planet at the same time. That's a, that's a great combination for me. So, uh, that's, that's why I'm excited to, to be part of the EcoVapors team. Yeah. And so before we get into more of what EcoVapors does, I want to talk about something that's very, sounds very mundane, but it's very important in our industry. Let's talk about oxygen. So we were talking about this at lunch, which I wish we would have recorded our lunch conversation because it's fascinating. But oxygen, I'm not going to say it's a dirty word, but oxygen can cause issues in our industry, can it? Yeah, it makes me think of explosions. Yeah, it makes me think of rust. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Two not good things, right? Yeah. So, Mark, you know, 
Tell me about oxygen. Why is oxygen something we need to be aware of? Well, it, it's simply because from a safety standpoint, it kills people. Okay, we need to elaborate more than that because well, <laughs> so in, talking- in, order, in order for an explosion to occur, you have to have a source of fuel. Right. You have to have heat. You have to have an, an event, but you got to have oxygen. If you have fuel and you have heat, it's not going to blow up. As soon as you add oxygen to that mix, you have a, the possibility of an explosion. You know, I don't know if anybody's seen the news the last few weeks, but there's a pipeline explosion. Well, what caused that? Well, if oxygen wasn't there, it wouldn't blow up. You just have a gas leak. Yeah, and so y'all touch a part of the industry, touch a part of upstream, and we, and we talked about this at lunch. So when an operator's out there drilling, right, and 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 they they hit they hit all kinds of stuff, water, sand, oil, gas. But you have a lot of this stuff comes up, and you have to do something with it, right? And a lot of times the solution is flaring. Right. And, you know, like and normally they're flaring because maybe they, you know, the, the mix of gas is something they can't really sell. And usually they can't sell it if it's got too much oxygen in it. So they think, well, we'll just go ahead and light a match to it and get rid of it because it's only – two and a half dollars per MCF. And, and if I throw away $2,000 a day today, my boss isn't going to care because I'm making him $50,000 a day in oil. Right. And if people don't know what flaring is, what is flaring? Uh, flaring is combusting a gas, hopefully in a safe manner so that it can relieve pressure on the oil well downhole. Yeah. And so if you've seen any of the satellite images of Midland or the Dakotas <laughs> at night, you see all these lights and those are flares. And, and so that's the industry trying to responsibly take care of these gases. But y'all have a better solution, a much better solution. Right. And, and we simply take our unit. It's a very passive unit. Uh, we t- hook into the backside of vapor recovery systems. And as the gas prior to going in the pipeline, it just passes through our system. The oxygen is converted into CO2 and everything passes right along. We funnily, you know, when I was in the compressor business, anytime an operator had oxygen, and was shut in by the pipeline. It was a 911, all hands on deck. Everybody needed to run and trying to figure out wherever the oxygen might have been coming from. And maybe two, three, four days later, everything was figured out. Everything got tightened, changed. Called the gas company, said, "Hey, please come out and check because we want to get our oil back online." They'd come out and check, and eventually, yeah, it got changed back online. And so, let and, me stop you right there, back up. In case our audience doesn't know, what happens when somebody gets shut in? What does that mean? Well, basically, they can no longer discharge their gas, and along with that gas, a company's pressure, and that's the key, you know, because now pressure is going to build up on the surface, pressure is going to build back up in the into the wells, pressure is going to build up down hole, and pressure is going to keep oil from flowing in the wellbore. So that's what ha- that's the chain of event that happens. Once you relieve the pressure on surface by getting the gas out of the way, now you get more oil that comes to the pipeline. But as soon as you close in that and you build up pressure, that just becomes a, a less economical event because you're no longer really making as much oil production as you wanted to. And Mike, when, when somebody gets shut in, that's a stop of production. That's a stop of revenue, isn't it? Yeah, that's a that's a big red flag. As Mark says, all hands on deck. Uh, it's a case where there's there's been a, an upset in the process, you know, so the process isn't stable, and you're either not not generating every, any revenue or you're generating it at a, at a much reduced rate. So you got to got to move quickly to take care of that. So nobody wants to be there. And so Mark, you gave me a, a blurb just a minute ago. How many of the units? How many of the wells out there that use your units have been shut in? Since 2010, we have never 
had one of our units shut in because oxygen. So we're 100% compliance with less than 10 parts per million of oxygen. You know, and it's really neat. I mean, we have this great system where we can watch all of our units and we can see the oxygen coming into the system and then going out, nothing. You know, so it's really you know, neat to watch, you know, because you can see 20, 60, 500, 15,000 parts per million of oxygen, which is a significant event, come into the system. And then as it goes out, five parts per million. Yeah, so that right there makes what y'all do extremely valuable. But there's more. <laughs> and I, this, this is just cool stuff. So your unit then takes something which was flared, right, which was not put into the sales system. But now when you remove the oxygen in the right circumstance, now you have something you can actually sell. That's right. The, uh, you know, the, the, the pipelines typically have uh, pretty tight limits on what the oxygen content of the gas can be. And they have, they have uh, oxygen sensors, you know, where the, where the individual sites are flowing into the pipeline. And if it exceeds, you know, the, the set point, then it'll just you know, shut, you know, close the slam valve and, and, and shut in that facility. So they want to keep oxygen out of their pipeline because oxygen causes corrosion. And, and that can be significant, you know, in a pipeline system. And then also it affects the, the midstream processing plant, not only from a corrosion standpoint, but the oxygen being present in the gas makes the uh, some of the midstream processes, you know, not work well. For example, the removal of CO2, the removal of H2S, you know, and some of the amine-based, uh, you know, processes in midstream are much less efficient if there's oxygen present. So there, most pipelines and most midstream processes are very tight on uh, restricting the amount of oxygen in their system, and that's where we have a solution. So are there regulatory limits for how long you can flare or timelines like that that are consideration? Well, the regulatory environment continues to get tighter and tighter. That regulatory environment is under the, uh, you know, the EPA, the, the National Clean Air Act, and then it's also, you know, uh, administered by each state. You know, some states like Colorado have been more more aggressive. Other states like Oklahoma and Texas have been a little bit more measured on on the uh, management of, of flaring. When a new well site is permitted, uh, there has to be permits uh, for the emissions, you know, and, and how much. Uh, how much VOCs, how much uh, NOx, how much uh, of the different emissions are coming off of that site. With our system in place, that emission profile can be reduced and, and make it more, more compliance-friendly, more environmentally friendly. Yeah, and nobody likes to see a flare, right? And we talked about this earlier. You know, Sarah, we're here, here in Midland, your, your backyard, yeah. right? And there's a lot of flares, and there, but this part of Texas is very oil and gas friendly, right? This is the driving economy. Literally, I just gave the keynote talking to Baker about this. We're getting ready to pass up almost the entire world in production just from this one base in the permit. So here, it's not that big a deal. We talk a little bit about Colorado, where politically it's a different environment over there, and for a company to be able to get rid of flares is a huge impact to the public perception, isn't it? Yeah, Colorado's been uh, has been you know much much more aggressive in in their regulatory you know structure. So there's there's very little flaring going on in most areas of Colorado. They but instead of that, there's uh, combustors and closed combustors that are used. So you're still you're still burning burning money instead of putting it into the pipeline, but it's done in a way that's that's less visible. But the regulations are getting tighter and tighter. Parts of Colorado are falling into what's characterized by EPA as, a, as an ozone non-attainment area. So it's, it's got much more environmental scrutiny, much tighter 
uh, regulatory oversight and regulatory compliance. There's drones flying over these facilities looking for gas that's that's not being managed properly and vapor that's not being managed properly. And that's where our system can really help the producers run a, a well pad in a system that that flows well and also gets the gas into the sales line. And you're also creating a more positive public perception, which as an industry we need. Yeah. I mean, that's one of our big topics all the time. All the time. And, you know, if you have a well that's flaring a couple hundred MCF a day, you know, that could translate into five or six hundred thousand dollars back to the bottom line in profit. And if you have 10 wells times 500,000, I mean, this is free money. I love that term, free money. I use free it myself. Money. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's not a bad way to do it. You know, I mean, when I was in the restaurant business, if a person broke a plate, that plate might cost 20 bucks. Well, you can never make that profit back because now in order to buy another $20 plate, you have to sell a whole lot of food because of the market. Right. Well, here, if you stop flaring your gas, you get free money money that you were given to a higher power. This is an election year in Colorado. I live in Denver, and this is an election year in Colorado. And so the uh, whole energy industry is getting a lot of discussion right now. There are propositions going on the ballot in Colorado uh, to increase the setbacks, you know, of, of well sites. And and then uh, the whole governor's race, uh, our, our governor is timed out on term limits. So there's an open race for governor. And there's a lot of discussion about the energy industry right now. And so, you know, we provide a path for the producers to basically have a zero emission well pad. And so we we see ourselves as, as being a key part of the solution. Yeah, and, and you are. And I know I've been following what's going on in Colorado very well. The anti-oil and gas people are you have to give them credit. They're smart, right? So they couldn't come at us head on. So they came at us sideways. But you change that sec- setback from 500, 2,500 feet. All of a sudden, the industries would be decimated in Colorado. So if you're listening, think about it before you pull the ballot. This is a big deal. So I want to come back to the safety part because this is the Health, Safety, and Environmental Show. So all of a sudden, you have decreased the amount of man hours that are involved in running a well. And when you decrease the amount of man hours that run well, you automatically are going to decrease lost time incidents. So Y'all are smacking, like I said earlier, safety right between the eyes because you're actually increasing the safety of the operation along with increasing environmental impact, I mean, decreased environmental impact, along with providing a different revenue stream for the operator. Is that pretty fair? Yes. You know, I I, uh, I joined EcoVapor recently, and, and uh, when I was doing some research on the company, I called a, a friend of mine in the industry. So, Robert, if you're listening, you know, I'm quoting you here. I owe you a, <laughs> owe you a beverage of some kind. And basically, I said, hey, tell me about oxygen in, in gas and in vapors. And I expected him to talk about revenue. He's a, he's a compression guy, and I expected him to talk about revenue. I expected him to talk about environmental compliance. But his first reaction was, the oxygen is 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 the enemy of a well pad, and I had a good friend that was killed in an explosion on a site, and the root cause was that there was oxygen in the gas. So he said, "What you're doing is is really really important." So uh, that that really registered with me. Yeah, and have somebody on the front line be able to immediately figure tell a story that was involved in an unfortunate accident. You know, that's impactful. It's huge. From a liability point of view, Sarah, if companies are out there and they know their solutions that can limit liability and they choose not to go down that route. Does that open them up for anything down the road? Well, you know, I mean, anytime that there's an available technology or tool that helps decrease risk or especially a risk of explosion, life lost or something like that, then yeah, I mean, 
if there's an opportunity to do that, how are you going to look in front of a jury or to the family members and say, well, sorry, we knew this was out there, but we didn't spend the money because it didn't really matter, right? I mean, yeah, that's that's pretty powerful. Yeah, and one of the cool things about what y'all are doing is that we talked about spending the money. The truth is companies are already spending money to address this. They could spend the same amount of money with you and address it and have a much bigger impact, much better impact. Yeah, as a starting point, you know, we, we have a, a lot of uh, experience and a lot of engineering expertise within our company. And so we, we work with many of the EMP companies, you know, helping them design uh, their vapor recovery systems and making them as efficient as possible. And there are opportunities there to lower your, your uh, capital expenditure up front on a well by having a well-designed and, and, a, and a, a well-designed vapor recovery system that works well together. So we can help on the capital side obviously help on the safety side that we've already discussed. And then on the operating side, you know, to uh, reduce the uh, environmental footprint and the, the compliance risk on a site. And then basically, you know, sell gas instead of burn it. So for areas like Colorado, the uh, environmental compliance discussion really resonates because there's a lot of focus on that. The focus at this time is not as intense, although there is focus, it's not as intense in Oklahoma and Texas. But again, if there's a solution that improves safety and pays for itself uh, and can get an operator ahead of the curve in terms of environmental compliance and be well positioned for regulations that may change or come, you know, come down the pipe uh, over over the next few years, then then that just seems to to make really good strategic sense. Makes good business sense. All right. So we're getting, I'm sorry, Mark, you want to add to that? You know, like you asked about a safety component, you know, but you also have to look at the human side of that, you know, at three o'clock in the morning, if there's an oxygen event that occurs and the field shut down, all hands are on deck. So some guys getting woken up out of a deep sleep, they're having to rush out to fix this problem. And we've had operators tell us that, you know, my phone doesn't ring anymore. Because they don't have the problem anymore. That's they powerful. Don't have a problem. And can you guys monitor that? I, I think you said earlier that there was something that you could see, right? Parts per million in, parts per million out. Right. We provide all of our clients with the ability that they can see the amount of oxygen that's coming into the system and the oxygen going out. So we monitor that on a 24-hour basis. So if there was some event, for example, if their VRU shut down, we're going to see that. We can call them and say, hey, this other piece of equipment you have is no longer running because the pressure has gone ahead dropped and we're not getting any gas coming through our system. You need to get somebody out there to take care of it. Yeah, we have a very well, a very well functioning condition monitoring system. It was, it was, it's proprietary. It was designed in house and it gives our, our uh, service group, you know, visibility on every unit that we have operating. We have over 50 units operating today and we have visibility on each of those and a service team that's, that's ready to react if there's an issue. But, uh, you know, quite frankly, the uptime on our units is virtually a hundred percent. And that's 50 units here in the Permian. Yeah, I want to come back to this real quick. Right now, though, we're getting toward the end of the show, winding it down. It's time for the Red Wing Safety Tip of the Week. Mike, Mark, you have a safety tip for our audience? I was, uh, you know, it's, it's funny how the simple things can, uh, you know, kind of resonate with you. I was on a, uh, on a location this past Monday, and we were inside an enclosure, you know, where there's, a, there's some steel embedded in the ground, you know, just to create a, an environmental enclosure and then steps going over it. And, you know, I'll be honest, I was the one who didn't use the steps and started to step over the enclosure, you know, and and, uh, I didn't fall down, but, you know, caught my foot and tripped. So it's the simple things. It's just being aware, you know, of all the movements out on the well pad that's going to keep people safe. And so that uh, that was that was an aha moment for me and will stick with me going forward. 
Yeah, I've been there myself. All it takes is you get used to something and you miss something and something bad can happen. So, yes, be aware. Situational awareness is vital. So well, I like the story about the woman that stabbed her husband and he died. <laughs> Mark, police, I hope this is going somewhere. <laughs> and the police asked, said, why'd you stab him? And she goes, well, he didn't die before. And that's often the case in the oil field. Just because I did something wrong for the past five years and nothing ever happened doesn't mean I should continue doing a wrong or unsafe behavior just because I never got a problem. Yeah, amen, brother. I, and you 100%. hear that all the time. I've seen it, unfortunately. So I want to come back to this. So everything we talked about, what I think is cool about this, this isn't theory. Y'all, Not only have y'all stood up a company that's doing this, y'all sold to a lot of operators, a lot of big companies. I don't want to mention names. Uh, we'll use an initial, let's see, uh, RDS, uh, right? One of the one of the big guys out there. So it's been proven in the field. Y'all know what you're doing. You can come out, and this is what I think is, is really cool. If an operator had an interest in working with you, you don't just sell them a box, right? You show up with your experts, and you figure out what they need that makes the most sense for their well site. Correct. We, we, we meet with the operators we, and the engineers. We understand what their process is. You know, we make sure that our equipment meshes in you know, well to the process. Our equipment has, has no moving parts. It's very straightforward to install. It's a patented process that, uh, you know, we, again, manage uh, internally and, you know, have visibility on every day. So it's, it's our goal to uh, put this equipment on the well pad, monitor it, and basically our customers never hear about it because it just sits there and runs. Uh, our uptime is virtually 100%. And as Mark stated earlier, we've been in business for eight years and there has never been an oxygen event or an oxygen excursion on any of the sites uh, where our unit was operating. Man, what a great track record. I mean, that that speaks volumes right there. Uh, speaking of speaking volumes, I don't have one with me today because we're traveling, we're on the road, but we have this really cool offshore bag that Red Wing is gracious enough to give away to our listeners. So if you'd like to win one of these awesome Red Wing offshore bags and they become a cult item, it's very simply go to redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. That's redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. See official site for rules and details. And then I want to talk a little bit about some of the stuff we have coming up. I think this show will air before SPE ATCE, which is the end of September. If it comes out before then, if you go to the show notes at oilandgashse.com, you can actually click and download free passes. Thank you to Weatherford for providing those for our audience. We're bringing the podcast. Unfortunately, Sarah, you're not making this trip, but we're bringing the podcast to the uh, conference. We'll be there for two days, Monday and Tuesday at the Weatherford booth, recording live podcasts. If you go, come say hi. We'd love to meet, love our listeners. Um, like I said, mention the website, oilandgashse.com. Uh, go ahead, sign up, give us your email address. We won't spam you. This way you can find out what the new stuff we're doing. Also, join our LinkedIn group, Oil and Gas Global Network. So OGG and type in LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn's has vastly improved. Go join it. It's the sister companion to this show and all the other shows. And then we talked about events. We put out a monthly newsletter uh, free of charge. Once again, go to show notes, click on it. You can sign up. We take all the oil and gas events and it's often free passes or invitations to private only events. Stick in your inbox once a month for nothing. All right. So Mark and Mike, this has been really cool having you on the show. If people wanted to find out more about your company, where should they go? Our website, www.echovaporrs.com. And we'll yeah, stick, short for Echo, Eco Vapor Recovery Systems.com. Yeah, we'll stick a link in the show notes so you don't have to be writing stuff down. And I'm guessing if people want to find out more about y'all personally, LinkedIn? Sure. Yeah. So we'll put links in the show notes for LinkedIn as well. Sarah, is there anything else that you want to cover while we're here? No, I mean, <laughs> I, I, think, I think you guys nailed it. 
Yeah, uh, y'all are talking about what a great golfer Sarah is. <laughs> <laughs> is Sarah a great golfer? Yeah, I mean she was she was our lead on the in an SPE scramble the other day. Let's so, let's yeah. just say my first shot of the day was my best. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole story right there. All right, so we're gonna get out of here. So folks, don't be afraid to give up the good to go for the great. Tune in next week for another exciting episode of Red Wings Oil and Gas HSC Podcast, a production of the Global Oil and Gas Network. Learn more from Mark LaCour at modalpoint.com. Connect with Patrick Pister at leanoilfield.com. From Houston to London to Dubai and beyond. What's the craziest thing you've ever seen in the field? I saw a girl barefoot in her FRCs on Instagram the other day. Does that count? <laughs> yes, that's a great and one. <laughs> I had to say something. I, 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 res- I, I posted a comment and I said, you've got to be kidding me that you're barefoot. Go put on some steel-toed shoes. <laughs> yeah, you can't make this stuff up.